Well, hello there, and welcome to this Calvary Longview audio message. We're so glad you've chosen to take a moment to discover with us the truth that can be found in the Bible, and we pray that you'll be blessed by what you hear. Today, Pastor Al is going to be sharing with us a message from Paul's second letter to Timothy. We can't wait to get into God's Word, so crack open your Bible, grab your note-taking tools, and we'll get started. Leave it up. They'll give you a Bible. You can take the Bible with you. If not, you can leave it in the chair that uh, when you leave, they'll clean them up. And uh, they're, they're coming up the aisle, so just raise your hand up. They'll bring you a Bible. 2 Timothy chapter 2. We're, we're going to be looking at a few verses today. Verses 8 through 11. And if you remember, um, as we're studying through the passage, it's, it's interesting because you just keep on going with what Paul's saying. You don't have to come up with anything new. And, you know, the enemy, like for Timothy and the believers here in Ephesus, the enemy would want to get them sidetracked. Now, understand what they're going through. They're, they're going through a time, as I mentioned through our studies, to where they're being persecuted unto death, right? I mean, they're, they're dying. They're, it's not just discomfort for them. These guys are, are dying because they're Christians. Persecution has come upon them that is heavy, it's they're being lit on fire in uh, Nero's garden. He's a crazy lunatic. Uh, he's uh, beheading them. He's, you know, just, and he's blaming the fall of his reign pretty much on the Christians, their scapegoat. And so you have all that persecution coming upon a church. Now think if we were gathered here in the days of uh, Paul, the days of Timothy, and if we were at the church of Ephesus, I'm sure it would cross each of our minds, like, what's going to happen next? When am I going to be asked if I'm a Christian, right? Because that's what was happening. They would be asked, hey, are you a Christian? And then if you were, you might be carted off and have your head chopped off and, or die of some manner. This is just the way it was. Now, I think these words here that Paul is sharing with Timothy can minister to us in the American church, the church around. But in the American church that we live in, the America, I mean, it's coming under persecution. Do you not see it? See, the church is being kind of, you know, just, if you want to become a Christian, you're really going to be set outside. You can't even be a free thinker today, you know that? You can't even think for yourself without being persecuted, but nonetheless stand up as for Christ. Well, Paul was a faithful uh, man of God to pass it down to Timothy, and Timothy had his own faith. It was given to him and his family, but he, he made it his own. He adopted his own faith. And then he was passing it on. You think of for generation to generation, how these people would spread the gospel, how they would share the gospel. And we still have today what they had 2,000 years ago, the word before us, because of faithful men and women. Now look at verse 1, just back up there for a moment, because I want to keep things in context. Paul was saying to Timothy, you therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. So that's the plan. You and I owe it to the, our forefathers, the people that went before us, faithful men and women giving their lives for what we have today. And then you and I, we look at our children and we want to be faithful, not just in the church itself, you know, in the, in the walls of the church. And we want to be faithful at home. We want to be faithful when the troubles come against us. You know, when dad loses his job or mom loses her job and things become stressful, we want to be faithful because our next generation, which is our children, 
they're going to need to be faithful. They're going to need to see a genuine faith. They're going to need to see genuine Christianity. Well, they're not going to find that in school. They're not going to find it on the internet necessarily. They're not going to find it much anywhere, but they'll find it in the church and they'll really see it at home. So pass it down, pass it down. Paul last week to Timothy was encouraging him, if you were here and you remember, how to be that good soldier. You're going to endure hardships, right? You want to be a good soldier. He doesn't want to be a soldier. I want to be one that's in the ranks, in the company, fighting the same battle, being faithful to my commander in chief. So Paul encouraged Timothy. He says, you know what? You're going to endure hardships. Anybody ever notice that being a Christian is tough? You guys ever notice that? It's not, it's not the easiest thing in the world, is it? So he says that we're going to endure hardships. And then being in that war, he reminded Timothy, he says, I don't want you to, I don't want you to, I want you to make sure that you don't get entangled up in the things of the world because you want to be free to be used by God and don't let the things of the civilian life, you know, get entangled up in those things because God wants to use you and you want to be well-pleasing to the one who enlisted you and that's the Lord. He's called you into salvation. And then he said that he gave an example of an athlete one who, you know, competes according to rules to receive the crown. We don't have rules of do's and don'ts, but we have rules of how we're to please him, how we're to live our lives. We, you know, coming before coming to Christ, I don't think any of us had a really good grip on how to live a godly life, right? And so he gives us these, these this love letter, 66 books that tell us about him. Uh, it tells us about ourselves, how flawed we are, but about how gracious he is, how loving he is, how powerful he is, what a great God we serve. And so you know, we, we want to live according to the rules. We want to run this race according to the rules. And then he brought out the example of the hardworking, patient farmer who works long hours per provision and waits, patient. He just waits on this crop, knows it's going to come to pass. After Paul said these things to Timothy, he then said in verse 7, he said, consider what I just said. Consider what I said, and we ended there last week. And this week we pick it up as Paul's going to give Timothy the greatest example ever, and that's Christ himself. You, you go through times of suffering. Now, we don't know times of suffering like Church of Ephesus does, do we? I mean, really, we think of suffering as um, discomfort, a little discomfort, like, you know, maybe if we're watching, watching a service online or we're coming and there's traffic and, you know, the, the lights in Longview. Great example. You know, you go through the lights in Longview, you're going, this is persecution. Uh, <laughs> this is just not good planning. <laughs> it's not persecution. That's not, I mean, really, we don't know persecution like the church of Ephesus. Not yet, anyway. But you got to think of that. Put yourself in these shoes. And this is the degree, the degree of persecution that they're suffering. And Paul says, in, as he continues to minister to Timothy, because Timothy's going to have to be strong. Paul's in prison. And he says, remember Jesus. Look at verse 8. Remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead according to my gospel. So he says, hey, you know what? As, as a pastor of a church, you don't ever want to see people going through difficult times. I would rather go through every difficult time you have to. And I know my shoulders aren't big enough for that. But, I, you know, it's just a heart that we have. Heart that Timothy would have. I don't want to see anybody go through anything. But Tim Paul to Timothy is, is remembering, hey, he doesn't want to see anybody persecuted unto death. But even in that situation, if that was to arise, if that was to come in your midst, he says, remember that Jesus Christ. So the greatest example, don't ever forget that, that remember means keep on remembering. 
Keep on remembering what Jesus, about Jesus, about him being the seed of David, his humanity. He came in the flesh with all humanity, but yet was still God and died for us. But he just didn't die for us. He rose again. And so he says he was raised from the dead according to my gospel. And so you ever get into these hard, difficult times? And I think that, you know, uh, persecution may only be increasing here in the United States for the church or for those who want to uh, stand up for truth. But we're to remember the price that he paid for our sins. Look, we're on his team. He's drafted us. He's given us eternal life. And I think of the pain and the suffering that he went through. You know, just think about my sins that he took upon him. That was bad. I mean, can you imagine that? When I think of what it cost my Savior to take my sin, I think, that's incredible. And then I look at all you. I said, whoa, you took all their sins as well. And then not only you, but then I look in the world. I look at the people that are rioting. And then I look at the people that are murdering and killing one another. And God has said, but I've died for you as well. I want you to know that. I want you to know that I care for you so much that I, I died for you. And, 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 you know, so when we go through hard times as a church, as individuals, believers that want to stand up for Christ, you know, it may be difficult, but we're to remember what Jesus went through for us. That's what he's saying here. Remember that he died on the cross. Remember that he was the seed of David, but he was raised from the dead according to my gospel. Just remember in the end of it all, if these people who are going to be beheaded, if these people who are going to be lit on fire, that they were going to, in the end, they were going to, well, they were going to be raised from the dead as well. So even if it came to that, you know, you're going to be raised from the dead. And so again, Persecution, I think, is coming upon not only the church. I think we've seen that in some of the third world countries. But we really don't know what tomorrow holds. We don't know what four months holds. The church has got to stand strong. And I know that, you know, persecution may hit and all this. The enemy would like nothing more than the church to turn on itself. You get that? Well, nothing more for the, the church to turn on itself. I mean, that's, he's winning. He can't join the church. He's not going to join this church. He may, you know, he's joined these, some of the church, but, you know, he, he, he wants the church to turn on itself. And it is so bad when, when Christians will turn on themselves, not realizing that, wait a second, the same God died for me as he died for you, and we need to be more of a family. We're in this war together. And we're going to remember what Christ has done for us. And so when persecution hits, when we're standing up for Christ, don't run and don't look for a place to hide. Just remember what Christ has done. That's why we often take communion, you know, just to remember what Christ has done, that he rose again, and that he'll raise you too. See, in reality, don't we really, I mean, I, I've done this and do this, and I've got to pull myself out of it, Lord help me. Don't we put too much stock in this world today? You know what I mean? Well, I'll be happy if I get the bigger car, faster boat, the newer rifle, the this and that and the other thing. Now, those things are bad, but I'm just saying, you know, in the end, you know, what are we going to live for? And you and I, and I, as I've been mentioning, the enemy wants to get us sidetracked. He wants to get us off what's important. If he can bring a little persecution our way, little troubles our way, and get us not to be faithful to him, then he's kind of loosened the, the, strong, the strength of the church, if you will. And I, and I think it's one of the things that he, does, he wants us to forget. Forget about Christ. 
And when you're going through a hard time, I think we're to remember more and more. Keep remembering what Jesus has done for you. I know that you, like myself, we all qualify as forgetful, don't we? And it doesn't go with age. Though it does, it doesn't always go with age. But some of you have walked to the refrigerator and opened the doors, right? You looked in there and said, what am I doing here? <laughs> and then my wife looks at me and she confers, hey, what are you doing there? I don't know. I was going to get something. Whatever it was, it was good enough to get me out of my chair, walk around the counter, into the refrigerator, open it up. I forgot what it was. And man, you know what I'm talking about when you go into the garage, right? You go into the garage, you're like, oh, what was I doing? What happened? What did I come out here for? And so you start rummaging through your tools to see if anything kicks his memory, you know? And like, oh my God, why did you do the same thing? Woman? What did I do? I go to the store. No, I'm just kidding. What was I doing here? What did I have to get? What? You open a door, you go into another room. They say, that's what doors do to you. You go through a door and it changes everything. And I think it's true. You're like, what am I doing here? You know, I was, I was in the center office back here. I was getting ready for Sunday, and, and I was kind of stuffy in the room. It's our new live stream office. I was in there. I go, stuffy. And I went in the back of the sound, uh, the, the music room, to try and look for a fan. And I walk, open the doors, and I open the doors of these back cabinets. I find some N95 masks. I'm looking around. Oh, I remember these on mission trips. I'm looking around. I forgot what I went in there for. <laughs> and I'm now really sweaty, and I'm like, what am I doing? See, that's what the enemy would love for us to do is to forget about Jesus, right? You know, forget about him. But during times of persecution, we're, we're, you know, we're being persecuted for Jesus' sake. We're to remember Jesus said pain was afflicted upon him. And, and you know, we're remembering that. Said he hung on a cross. He had you and I in mind. And what did he say? He went and he said, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they do. Forgive them. And he even said, one of the other sayings was, you know what, Lord, Father, is there any other way that this cup can pass from me? That was the, the cup for men to be born again, men and women to be born again. He said, nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. Right? So he went through it. He endured it. The writer of Hebrews tells us this in chapter 12. He says, for consider him, that's Jesus, who endured such hostility from sinners against himself. So it's not anything you and I go through for a temporal time. I mean, my sins was enough. Your sins was whew, a lot. And then we think of the sins of the world. But he endured this hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. You have not yet resisted the bloodshed of striving against sin. You know what he's saying? He says, you know what? Whatever you go through, you'll never have to pay the penalty or experience the penalty that came upon Jesus for your sin. You and I will never experience having to have the penalty that was required for our sin to get right with God. We'll never have to do that. And so Timothy and the church, they were going through these tough times, even unto death, but it was important for them, as Paul would say, remember Jesus. Remember Jesus. So it's important. Going through a difficult time, put your head up. Remember what Jesus has done for us. Remember the price that he paid for us. And remember in the end that he rose from the dead. And if anything happens to us, even in the death, I mean, we want the rapture, right? Anybody with me? I want the rapture. But if death comes, guess what? I'll be raised with him. I'll be raised with him. So the second thing that he points out is even though, remember, Paul's in prison, right? But he says, you know, he's not worried about it. He's never worried about where he's at because he knows that God is still working in the midst of his affliction. You just remember that for you and I. God's word is not chained. Look at verse 9. He said, 
for which I suffered, I suffer trouble as an evildoer, even to the point of chains, but the word of God is not chained. Paul wasn't an evil man, but he was suffering evil. He was a man of truth. See, the world around him called him evil because he was speaking a different language. He wasn't speaking their language. He stood up for righteousness. You know what it's like if you were to post to a friend that thinks other than you, and you post a scripture, or you post something that is true? What's going to happen to you? Nowadays on the internet, anybody been unfriended lately? Yeah. <laughs> oh, you know what I'm talking about. So you're unfriended or you're hated or you get hung up on, you know, you get, you know, hey, I'm calling me for a while. I wonder what's going on. Well, you know what? There's just things that the, the gospel, as Paul said, that, you know what, th th there's evil out there, but Paul stood up for righteousness. He wasn't going to go with his friends that stood up with, you know, for anything else or his acquaintances that stood up for evil. He called it out. And, you know, the problem was that evil was in their eyes. The evil that they saw in Paul was in their eyes. Their hearts were full of evil. And we read about, you know, a guy like Paul. Paul was always going through something. Hard times. And he's an example to Timothy. An example to you and I. Because here we have the, uh, Paul, you know, he t tells us about how many times and how he, how he illustrated himself as being a prisoner, not of Rome, but of Jesus Christ. See, when we go through hard times, I mean, sometimes it's like me. I'm like, I can't believe I'm going through this. is heavy. I can't believe wow, th this person said this or whatever, you know, he go on. Paul said, you know what? I was, though Paul was chained to a guard of a Roman guard, he said in Ephesians 3, 1, he says, for this reason... I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ for you Gentiles. So he wasn't a prisoner of Rome necessarily. He knew that he was there because God had him there. And, but, but he knew that as God had him there, that God's word was still going forward. God's word was still going out. People were still getting saved. It's, it's interesting. He may be going through a tough time. And you think of what Paul said. He said again, for this reason, for what reason was he a prisoner of Jesus? Because of the gospel. Because Ephesians 2, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because being saved, having your sins washed, it's going to bring opposition to it. You ever feel that way? You ever feel that way when you're, you're giving somebody the gospel, or you're sharing with somebody the word of God? And they don't want to hear it. Matter of fact, if you want to say, well, maybe you're going through this because you need Jesus. They don't want to hear it. It's true, but they just don't want to hear it. And because of what Jesus has done for you, the question that we ask, we have to ask is, do we find it okay in whatever situation that we might be going through? Is it all right? You know, what if hard times came upon you and you're thinking, you know, I was invited to go on this vacation and I can't go because whatever, fill in the blank or whatever the case may be. Go through a difficult time. Maybe God has another plan for you. For me, is it okay? You see, he says, for this reason, Paul says, I'm a prisoner of Jesus Christ. Because of what Jesus has done for me. I'm a prisoner. I go where he wants. I do what he wants. I say what he wants. I speak what he wants in front of whoever he wants. This is what I do. See, the word of God is not changed. I may be here, but God's word is still going out. In Philippians chapter 1, he said, he mentioned this. He says, just that it is right with me to think of this of you all, because I have you in my heart inasmuch as both in my chains. And the defense and confirmation of the gospel, you are all partakers with me of grace. Again, in Colossians 3, he mentions, uh, meanwhile, praying for, you, for us, uh, praying also for us, that God would open to us a door for the word 
to speak the mystery of Christ for which I am also in chains, and I, uh, that I may make it manifest as I, also, as I ought to speak. In the fourth chapter, verse 18 of Colossians, he said, uh, this salutation by my own hands, Paul, remember my chains. Grace be with you. Amen. So Paul was always, you know, he wasn't complaining about his chains. He was saying, you know what, I want you to know that I'm still serving. These things are going out there. And he wasn't boasting either. But he's just letting him know, you know what, I'm in chains. But the gospel's still going out. The word of God is still effective. It doesn't matter what's going on. Listen, corona didn't strike the word of God. It didn't strike the spirit of God either. God's word is still going out. And it's, it's attracting people to come to know the truth. So whatever is going on in the world, the, the world, the word knows about it. The word talks about famines and all of this stuff and these pestilences. But, you know, remember that we may be going through a tough time, but God's word is not chained. Maybe going through a different time. I don't even call it tough. Different time. But God's word has not changed. Remember in Paul's life, when Paul got saved, he was there persecuting the church. He's on the road to Damascus. The, the Lord showed up on a scene. Short, uh, long story shorter, he, got, he gets saved. And then Paul commissioned Ananias to go rescue Paul and bring him to him and, and let him know. He goes, I'm not going to him. <laughs> I'm not going to go to Saul. That guy, I've heard about that guy. He's terrible. But the Lord said to him in Acts chapter 9, verse 15, speaking to Ananias, he said, But the Lord said to him, Go, for he's a chosen vessel of mine to bear uh, my name for Gentiles, uh, before Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel, for I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. I'm going to show him how many things he's going to suffer for my name's sake. I mean, that's his calling. It wasn't payback that Paul was going through. Look, God didn't say, I'm going to get you back now because you persecuted the church, my bride. It was none of that. It was simply a part of his calling. Here's a question. What if God, what if God said, you know, part of your calling in life is going to be, you're going to go through a time of suffering. Would you answer the call? Would you say, wherever you go, Lord, I'll go. Whatever you say, I'll say. Whoever you want me to talk to, I'll talk to you. Put your words in my mouth. I mean, that's what Paul said. And Paul suffered many things, but none of them was deserving. As a matter of fact, Timothy to Paul Timothy knew that Paul could say the things that he was saying because he had been there, done that. He had been experienced in it. He had gone through these things. So he wasn't telling Timothy anything that he had, hadn't faced himself. He had been there. But Paul was very well aware of the fact that my chains aren't holding me back. My, my, my position isn't holding me back. I might not have what I used to have. I might not have what you have. I might not have what they have. I might not have. I might be going through it. But guess what? I've got the word of God. He's still at work. See, it's not about me, is it? It's not about you. It's about seeing God work in the midst of our circumstances, allowing him to work in the midst of our circumstances. Look, at it doesn't matter of age. This isn't an age thing to where Paul the age or Paul the older guy talking to young Timothy, though he's been through, I've been through probably a, mo a little bit more than some of you have. Not everything that some of you have, but you younger people haven't been through some of the stuff that your mom and dad have been through. We're, you're finding out as you grow, huh, life isn't so comfortable all the time. But I still know that God is working. We're not told to be comfortable. We're told to be faithful, right? We're called to be faithful. And so Paul suffers. He understands that. And Paul understood the times of suffering, but he also understood the power of God's word. I think it's when God, God just seems to move. 
go through a hard time, a difficult time. But God says, but I've got somebody here for you to meet. I've got somebody for you to talk to. I want you to, I want you, to you know, sh share the gospel with these people. You're going to, see, it's not the messenger. It's not the power in the messenger. It's the power of the word and the power of the Holy Spirit. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, the writer says this, For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even the division of the soul and the spirit and the joint and the marrow, and it is discerning of the thoughts and intent of the heart. See, it was the word of God that cut through to my heart. It was the word of God's love that says, God wants to have grace with you. God wants to save you. It was that word that pierced through my heart and said, you want to save this? Yeah, I want to save you. I want to forgive you. That was that word. It was the word of God that said, you know what? As bad as you are, I want to make you clean. I'm thinking, I'm all in. Right? I'm all in. It was that powerful word that, this, that pierced through this hardened heart and saved this man. And as the disciples prayed, remember they were being persecuted. They also prayed and they said, what? Well, you know what? What do we do? And they prayed, it said in Acts 4.31. And when they prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God with boldness. Why? Because they knew the power was in God's word and it was saving sinners just like themselves. They were being saved. You see, if it's the word of God that has the power to save sinners, it's the word of God that, that has uh, the power to give sight to the blind, to heal the brokenhearted. It's the word of God that stands true in the midst of a world of lies. It's the word of God that, you know, if it's true, that how much pressure are you and I, how much pressure are we willing to go through or the church willing to go through before we're silenced? This is no better time than today than the people out in the world need to hear the truth. There's not much truth out there. Amen? Not a whole lot of truth, but you and I have the truth. And we need to remember that no matter what we go through or if, if you know, the world doesn't look as, as you know, comfortable as it was yesterday uh, or in two years it doesn't look as more comfortable and five things aren't as comfortable as they were, the word of God is still going out. We're here as Farmers, as Paul told Timothy, that we should spread the word and we should be faithful in it. That's all. Just be faithful in spreading the word. So you got to remember that these guys are being persecuted. Paul himself, he's going to be beheaded soon. And they didn't have any protection from a Nero who hated them. Actually, Nero was, you know, for Christians, he thought I, he hated them because of the way they lived their lives. He hated them because of the, they had this doctrine they wouldn't compromise. He hated them because of the, their boldness in the hour of death. None of them were saying, you know, they weren't saying, oh, forget, all right, I, I, I won't walk with Jesus. They, they, they were bold. They were singing hymns as they were being burned at the stake. You see, he regarded them, Christians, as scum of the earth. And Paul had no hope of defense. He had nothing there to, you know, grab hold of except for God's word. But I know God's word is still going out. It's still going out. John Phillips reminds us, he says, men, men may deny the word of God. They may doubt it, despise it, defame it, and distort it. But it still pierces the innermost being uh, where, where it awakens conviction of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment to come. The word of God is incorruptible seed. It possesses uh, divine life. See, God's word wants to penetrate the heart of lost people and bring them to life back, back to life with him. So because of that, 
the word of God, what Jesus went through, the word of God is still at work. That's why Paul went through and he says, I'm able to endure these things. Look at what he said in verse 10. Therefore, I endure. Therefore, because the example that Jesus set, set for me, because his word is not chained, I endure all things for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Look at, I'll go through whatever I go through, Paul says. I'm able to endure because of the elect, the saints, because there's more people out there that need to hear God's word. He didn't deserve to be saved. How many of you guys deserve to be saved? None of you, right? I didn't deserve to be saved. But when God saved me, I'm thinking, my goodness, what a great God that we have. And just like Paul, the hard times that we go through, they're not going to compare with seeing people saved. The reason why we endure through the hardships and the difficult times and the, the people that unfriend us and the people that you know don't want to have anything to do with us is because still as the gospel message is going out, as, you know, even though I'm in uncomfortable times, the gospel message is going out, the word of God is going out, and people are getting saved. People like me, people like you, they're still getting saved. And Paul says, you know, in the end he says, that they may obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. There's something that's well worth you and I going through hard times, the church going through hard times, Timothy, the Ephesians going through hard times, and it's seeing other people get what you got. And we have eternity. Eternity. You see, the example, an example to Timothy, as well as the church, was that Jesus endured and he rose again. The word of God is still at work. It doesn't matter who comes against it. Nero, uh, any uh, current governors or presidents or whatever. It doesn't matter who comes against it. Jesus endured, the word of God will endure, and you and I need to endure for the sake of somebody else. It's got to be worth it. That's what he's talking about. See, Paul endured not just the easy things, not just the palatable things, or not just, you know, some of the things. He endured all things. It didn't matter. He was going forward, marching forward for the sake of other people that they might come to Jesus. You think, oh, why is it so important for us today? We have the word with us, and the word is still active. The word is still the seed that brings life to dead people. And we have to be honest, and we ask ourselves, are we willing to take a few lumps of discomfort for the sake of others? Are we willing to speak the truth for the sake of others? I mean, think about all the people that are rioting and stuff today, you know, down in, in all these major cities. If they just stop for a minute and just kind of zip it, and listen for a minute, and then weigh out and see why they're doing what they're doing. What they're doing doesn't make sense. It makes no sense. And they might come to their senses, but they just stop. And then realize that even though they're in the situation that they're in, that God loves them. Stop. God loves you. Stop. God loves you, and he died for you on a cross. You see, Paul here is just saying, hey, I, I suffer for the sake of the elect that they also might obtain salvation. See, wherever he would go, wherever he would travel, he came in contact with people that he wanted to share the gospel with so that they would get saved. And Paul would rather have them hear about God's saving grace than he would about him being in prison or him the hard times that he's going through. I mean, how does that register with us? You think about it. Here's Paul in prison. People are hearing the gospel. Remember when they're in prison and in the book of Acts and 
the whole Philippian jailer, he gets saved, his family gets saved. He wasn't saying, hey, man, if you get me out of here, I'll take care of you when we get out. Paul didn't say that. Paul said, you know what? Hey, while I'm here, you're a perfect audience. You're the one that the Lord hooked me up with, and I want to tell you about Jesus. And the guy gets saved. His whole family gets saved. See, Paul, it wasn't about Paul thinking, oh, I wonder how I get out of here. How long does a guy normally stay around here, you know, when he's putting these things? It wasn't about that. He was just saying, you know what? While I'm here, I'm going to bring Jesus with me and, and here. And the guy gets saved. You see, again, he says in verse 10 again, therefore I endure all things for the sake of the elect. I'm just going to endure. I'm going to go through it. It's all right. I don't have to have a good day to minister to people. I don't have to feel good. I don't have to, you know, feel like, all right, I got it now. No, I'm just going to endure these things that they also may obtain salvation, which is in Christ Jesus' eternal glory. I mean, it's incredible the, the, what, what, what people need to hear and what we have to, for them to hear. I remember the day I got saved. It was a Saturday, December 9th, 1989. And I got saved at a men's conference. I was all day just hearing the word, taking in the word, taking in the word. Sunday at church, all day. You know, just wanted Sunday morning, Sunday night, just hear the word, hear the word. Came Monday, I go to work, and I and they saw me leaving as a heathen dog sinner. I come back to work Monday, and they're like, uh, uh, hey, what happened? How was your weekend? I go, man, I got saved. You need Jesus. I'm like, what? I go, yeah, dude, you need Jesus right now. I'm telling you, you need to get right right now. And, you know, they're, they're looking at me, going, it'll wear off. I know it ain't wearing off, bro. You better get Jesus now. He's coming back. You better get him now. And, and you know, the, the very thing that met me there in all my zeal and all my aspiration was opposition. And that's the same thing that'll meet you and I there when we want to stand up for Christ, when we want to be the real deal for Jesus. See, opposition is going to meet us there, but it shouldn't keep us there. It shouldn't keep us backing up because we have the very thing that's going to set the captives free. The very thing that set up this old drug addict, this old alcoholic, this old person was the word of God when it pierced my heart and then I got heaven. I'm like, you mean I get heaven out of this deal? Oh, yeah, you get heaven. You get your sins forgiven. You know, all that burden I was carrying around, all the, it's gone. Free. Jesus freed you up, forgave you. I got to tell others, right? I just got to tell others. This is so incredible. You see, Paul was saying that he was willing to be steadfast for the sake of those who might hear the word and be saved. It's well worth the price, is it not? You see, faithfulness to the call of God. That's what Paul was, and he gives us that example. And I don't have the, all the answers on how this thing's going to happen. What do we do tomorrow? How do we do this? I mean, you know, this thing with this backpack outreach we've been talking about, that's been up again, down again. Yeah, we're going to do this, now we're going to do this. Oh, the school's on, it's not on. I don't know how things are going to look out. I just want to be faithful to do what God has called us to do. And then let's look as Paul closes here. I think one of the, one of the great verses as we cling to it, because he's, he's, he's trying to encourage Timothy, and not only Timothy, but the church to be faithful. And then he says this in verse 11, this is a faithful saying, for if we died with him, we shall also live with him. You know that speaks of being born again? Have you died with him? Have you been buried, you rose again, you're going to be with him. You know, the Roman Christians the, themselves, they feared Nero. They didn't know how they were going to die. They didn't know if they'd wake up and if I'm asked to be a Christian, I wonder if I'll be beheaded or get the number two special, burned at the stake, the number three special, crucified. They didn't know. And I'm not being funny. They didn't know. They, they didn't have that, that knowledge. 
But even today when we think about, I don't know what's going to happen today, but this ministers to us because if we died with him, that we'll be with him forever. And based on our decision should influence, uh, should be influenced by the way that we uh, live our lives. And we, we say, you know what, I died with him, so then let's live for him. I want, to, I want to share the gospel. Remember, if you've been saved, then we've died with him. In verse 12, he says, if we endure, and it speaks of the very things that Timothy's going through. Timothy, if you endure those hard times, if you go through these hard times, if you make it through, just you're going to be plodding through. You're not going to run. People at Ephesus were leaving at this time. You're not going to run, but you're going to endure. Sometimes things can get pretty bad, can't they? I've been through some tough stuff. But remember John the Baptist, when John was in prison, he was the one who was a forerunner of Christ. He was the one that came out and he said, you know what? Hey, even in the womb, he was doing backflips. Look at Jesus here. Baptize him out in the water. People, he's saying, repent, repent, repent. Well, what John thinks he's a little crazy for him, he ends up in prison. And all of a sudden, he sends two of his disciples to see Jesus and he goes to them and, and, and he goes, would you guys go ask Jesus if, is he the one? Why am I in prison? I mean, hey, I was, I was the forerunner. He's not done yet. I'm still here, but I'm locked up. He sends the disciples to Jesus. And here's what Jesus had to say to the disciples to send them back to John. Jesus answered and said to them, go and tell John the things that you hear and see. The blind see and the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them, and blessed is he who is not offended because of me. So John, go to ask John. Go tell him, I'm still at work. Things are still going on. But if he's in prison, ask him if he's offended because of me. You know, I've been asked that question by the Lord. I've been through some pretty tough times, the pastor. And the Lord specifically spoke these words to me and said, hey, I know you're going through a hard time, but are you offended? Are you offended or are you going to endure? Are you offended because of the things that you're going through? Are you offended because, well, life just didn't turn out the way you thought it should turn out? We've got to ask ourselves, right? Sometimes we got this vision, this plan, we got this whole idea, this is the way everything's going to turn out, you know? It's the way it should turn out. But then all of a sudden things come crashing in, and we're like John the Baptist in prison. We're like going, is Jesus for real? I mean, I think he's really... Hurting in his faith here. He's questioning his faith. And, and there will be times that we have to look at ourselves and we say, you know, am I going to endure? Is it worth it to endure? Am I just going to go hide? Am I gonna, what am I going to do? See, if we're willing to continue in serving as faithful in the bad times or the not so good times as we did in the, as we do in the good times and the bad times, you know, a lot of things aren't as easy. He says again that if we, if we endure, we shall reign with him. It means we fix our eyes. We're going to endure. Oh, look, I'm going to go through it. I don't care what I have to go through. If God wants me to go through this, well, he's not punishing. See, Christians, a lot of times we think, if I, I'm going through a hard time, I must be getting punished. Oh, it's not, that's not always the case. You're doing something wrong? You don't punish your kids just for them being the greatest kids on earth, do you? No, you, you punish them when they're bad or you ch chasing them, as the Lord tells us, when they're bad. But if we're just you know, trying to be faithful, that's all John the Baptist was doing, trying to be faithful. And we find ourselves going through a tough time. Listen, understand that if we endure, we're going to reign with him. Is that incredible? I mean, I know what Paul's probably thinking. He's saying, I want to reign because I want to come back and I hope that Nero is 
be dead. I mean, I don't want nothing to do with that guy. But Paul knows that he's going to reign one day. Then he says, if we, if we deny him, he will also deny us. A couple things I want to share with you on. Number one, if we deny the Lord, you can sit in church, you can come to church, you can hear the gospel message, you can hear it and hear, man, that was good. Everything he said was right. But I don't want that. For whatever reason, you got it in your mind, you got it up in your heart, your heart is hard and you're tensing up even right now. And it's like, you know what? I don't, I don't want that. I, I, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. I'm not, and my mind is made up. I'm not going to do it. And, and you come to this place and you're saying, well, I'm going to, re-, what you're doing is you're rejecting his invitation to become born again, to rededicate your life to the Lord. See, he will deny you access to heaven. The other thing is when you think about this, if you deny, if we deny him, he will also deny us. You know, you think about apostates who deny him. They walk away from the Lord and they're different than backsliders because apostates will walk away from the Lord and they'll come to this place of saying, you know what? I don't need him anymore. It's a sad situation to be in to die in that situation. Backsliders are different because backsliders come back. They slide back. They come back through repentance. But I, I do want to say this because I want to keep it in context. Though those, both of those statements are very true. If you deny Christ, you will not go to heaven. He will deny you access in heaven. And, and, and if you deny needing him, if you've walked away, uh, you got your, you know, the writing on the wall. But what he's speaking about here, and this is where the grace is, what he's speaking about here is the above statement being this, if we deny him. You know what he's talking to? We, born-again Christians, if we deny him. You ever, you ever had an opportunity to, you knew God wanted you to do something, you didn't do it? He knew you wanted you to share with somebody or give somebody something to somebody, and you didn't do it? Listen, if we deny him, he says, if we deny him, he will also deny us. Listen. Think about the works that we have in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. He says, um, Paul said, if anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved yet through fire. You know, it's like living this life as a born-again believer, but having our lives wasted. I don't want to live that way. At the end, I want to hear the good and faithful servant. I want to hear, well done. And then he says in verse 13, if we are faithless, he remains faithful. Now it brings it home, doesn't it? If, if we're faithless, he remains faithful. You see, sometimes we get down on ourselves so for all the opportunities we've blown it, myself included. And I think, Lord, I haven't, I knew I should have done this differently. Lord, I knew I should have done that better or more with more heart. You see, though I haven't been faithful, though you haven't been faithful, if we're faithless, he remains faithful. He cannot deny himself. I mean, it's incredible because he's always faithful to echo these words. If you're faithless, if you have been faithless, I am faithful. And I think of the Lord sometimes. I think, Lord, you are so good. I don't deserve what I have. I don't deserve the things you've given to me. And the things that his goodness is not predicated upon our faithfulness. (laughs) If it was, we'd be in trouble. But his goodness is predicated upon himself. It's his faithfulness. It's who he is. It doesn't mean that we should, can go and live our lives the way we want to live them and then in the end be, you know, everything's hunky-dory. But what it means is when we find ourselves in a place to where we haven't been faithful, 
He's, you know, we haven't been, we've been faithless and he remains faithful. He cannot deny himself. And he's there with open arms, as the writer of Hebrews says in chapter 4, verse 16. Let us come, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace and help in time of need. I mean, that's the Lord. That's the Lord. He so desires when, when we, when we're, when we blow it, when we're not filled with faith or not walking by faith, He's faithful. And, and the encouragement to Timothy, like the, the encouragement to you and I would be, you know what, though we haven't been maybe where we should be, God's there to welcome us back and say, you know what, by your grace, I want to meet with you. By your grace, I want to, I want to walk with you. I want you to walk through this thing with you. I don't know what tomorrow holds or the next day holds, but I do know this, that he's faithful. Always. Always faithful. You may be watching online or you may be here this morning and you haven't been faithful to the Lord. Maybe you walked away from the Lord. Maybe you haven't ever known the Lord. He's faithful to have you here to hear these words or have you watching hearing these words. He's faithful. And he wants you to come back to him this morning. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Father, this morning we are in a passage that you have God before us. We hope you've enjoyed spending this time in God's Word, and our prayer is that you'll take it with you and apply it to your life. If you'd like to learn more about Calvary Longview, visit our website at cclongview.com. While you're there, you can find more teachings, request prayer, or even find out how you can get involved with what God is doing in our city. We hope you have an amazing day. We'll see you back here next time, and remember, Jesus loves you, and so do we.